Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as we would think about this, I, I, I would just like for us all to genuinely consider what the consequences of sin is. What it has been and what it is. The consequences of sin in the very beginning, there's no difference than the first time we hear about it. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shall not eat of it. So there's the commandment of God. There's the law of God. There is what God laid down for man. Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as we think about this, is that still true today? Is it still true that if a man sins, that that's going to bring death to that individual? You know, as, uh, as Dwight was talking, you know, I can't answer for Dwight. Dwight can't answer for Diane. Diane can't answer for anyone else. We're all going to have to answer for ourselves. You know, we might look and say, well, you know, I'm just in a terrible shape. Well, know this, that from Adam until today, every man has been born in that condition. Every man, uh, uh, the psalmist said, I believe in chapter number 51, that he was born in sin, conceived in iniquity. Uh, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So, are you going to die? We need to go farther than that. If you're going to die without regeneration, if you're going to die without being born again, If you're going to die without forgiveness, without your sins being paid for, you're going to die eternally. In this verse, we have the wages of sin, and the other side of that is we have the gift of God. And the gift of God is eternal life. What do you think the wages of sin is? Eternal death. So... Has anyone escaped this? Two people. Enoch and Elijah. Right? They were changed. It could be. It could be if the Lord comes back that you or that are saved. It could be that you wouldn't have to go through death. But now let's think about this in another sense. 
If the Lord comes back and you're not saved, will you die? See, what Dwight said is what's really important is that eternal life. That's the most important thing of all, isn't it? But we were all born in this sin. We have all reaped. We have all come under in chapter number 5 in Romans verse 12, Wherefore by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin... And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You might say, well, death doesn't come. Death doesn't come until man sins. But Adam was our federal head. He was the representative for all of the first man. Is there a second man? Is there a second Adam? That was the Lord from heaven, wasn't it? So, without a new birth, without regeneration through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through faith in His work, you and I are born to die eternally. We are born to die everlastingly. And you might say, well, I I don't think that's fair. I don't think that it's fair that a man is born to die eternally. Well, would you think it was fair that the Lord Jesus Christ died and if you're saved, took your sins? Is that fair? What would you call that? Grace. Praise God for grace. But listen to that verse again. For the wages of sin is death. Let's think on that for just a few moments. So the wages of sin, what I deserve, what I merit, what should be coming to me, what I've earned. Could you say anything different than that? Could you say that your life would merit eternal life? Have you earned eternal life? Do you deserve eternal life? So the wages of sin, every one of us here, even the littlest, isn't it amazing that even the littlest have got something in them that causes them to lie? Could you ask them what sin is? They have no idea what sin is but they know how to lie. Ain't that something? That's in us, ladies and gentlemen. So the wages of sin, what I merit, what I've earned, what I deserve, what I have profited, what what would be, would that be proper? Would it be proper for me to die eternally? That's proper. That's proper. That's in order. That, that's the wages. That's the payment. That's the payment for sin. But sin came into this world by the... the uh, or let me just back up and say that another way. and we, Maybe we could get them both together. But death came by one man's sin. And that one man 
That one man is a representative. You know, you might say that's not fair, but the truth is, if you had been there, it would have been the same story. It would have been. It would have been the same story. So the wages of sin is... For the wages of sin is death. So I believe that's what I deserve. Honest to God, that's what every man deserves. We all deserve to die. I'm not talking about just death. Oh, it wasn't just that man's going to die in the natural. It wasn't that man is just going to die. But you and I believe today, we believe that there's life beyond this earthly world. We believe that there's a life after this. So what do I deserve after this? Outside of salvation, outside of regeneration, outside of being born again, man is going to die just as there is eternal life through Jesus Christ. There is eternal death outside of Jesus Christ. If you're not in the Lord Jesus Christ and hid in Him, then you and I are going to reap the wages. I'm going to reap what I deserve. I'm going to reap what is proper. I'm going to reap what I merited. I'm going to reap what is in order. I am going to reap what I have worked for, labored for, spent my life for. I have spent my life on sin outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world. And by that one man's sin, death by sin. So the wages of sin is death. So was what God said true? Adam, the eat the day that you eat of this true, eat of this tree, you shall surely, that word means certainly, Adam, you shall certainly die. So we know this that Adam died spiritually. I believe that's that's the, the picture that Adam died spiritually that day. But also down the road, Adam was going to die naturally. And you know, today, outside of Enoch and Elijah, you got anybody in your family looking backward? Anybody that's escaped death? Listen to these words out of the book of uh, Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 1 verse 5. Your fathers, where are they? What a sobering thought. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, Like as the Lord of hosts thought to do unto us, according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath He dealt with us. God's Word's true, isn't it? You know, it took hold of my daddy. Took hold of my grandparents on both sides. Took hold of my uncles. Took hold of my aunts. Nobody in my father's family left. Had two other brothers besides him. Both gone. Had a sister. Gone. His mother. Gone. His daddy. Gone. 
their mothers, their daddies, gone. What's the cause of that? Sin. Sin is the cause of that. And you just give a few more days and it'll come to your house. Just a few more days and it'll be at my house. Just a few more days and it'll be around our homes. It'll be around our families. We'll be mourning. We'll be weeping. We'll be crying. And if there's no Jesus in that heart, if there's no regeneration, what a weeping and a crying it ought to be. What a weeping and a mourning and a wailing that ought to be if there's no Jesus in that life. So sin has brought death to all of mankind. No nation that it hasn't touched. No race of people that it hasn't touched. No country, nowhere in the world that sin has not touched. By one sin. You know, if you and I could live a life and not sin, we could live forever. Have you failed already? You've already failed? The only hope that we have is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, you might say, well, the law, that, 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 that's where man sins. And, and little in the epistle of John, he said that that is sin, transgression of the law. But before Moses brought the law, was there sin? How do you know there was sin? Death. Right? So before I ever come to the knowledge of what the Bible said, really, really knowledgeable at 23, 24, 25, 26 years old, learning a little bit about what the Bible said, you know what? There was in me a law. On the inside of me was a law. Inside of me was a realization of what was right and wrong. And, and though, though I didn't know the law of Moses, and though there was years that went by before Moses brought the law off of Mount Sinai, sin still was reigning, wasn't it? And, and death... Death was still the wages of sin even before the law. But now we have the law. Now we have the Word of God. Now we have a greater knowledge than what maybe what they had before that time. Not, not in the natural man, not in the conscience. We don't have a greater knowledge. But, but as we read and understand the law of God, you know what? Now my conscience not only has the natural prick, but now I've got the prick of the Word of God to go along with that. Now I'm dead not only by nature, and not only am I a law to myself, and my own conscience condemns me, but the Word of God condemns me as well. It shows me even a greater need for God. The law came that what? Sin might 
abound. That we might see the sinfulness of sin. He says in verse number 20, Moreover, the law sinned that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So sin came in uh, 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 by this one man. And by sin came death. And I'm going to die, and you're going to die. Do I know when? Do you know when you're going to die? You do know that you're going to die though, right? So what preparation have you made for that? If you, if you know that you're going to die, what preparation have we made for that? Has God made any preparation for that? Thank God that He has made preparation. I tell you, He, he has not changed His tactic. He didn't change plans when Adam fell in the garden. He didn't go to plan C or look in the back of the book and see if there was an addendum there for that. No, I tell you, that was God's plan from the very beginning. And you say, well, you're saying that God planned sin? I'm going to say God planned sin. Does that shock you? Did God plan sin? God planned sin. God planned before the foundation of the world that Jesus Christ would die. Is that right? So when the world was brought into existence, was that part of the plan of God? Absolutely. I'm not saying that God, I'm not saying that God is a sinner. I'm not saying God is sinning. But I'm saying that God can plan and purpose sin for the glory to His own wonderful and marvelous grace. You say, well, it's the devil's fault. Who made him? Can you get away from God? Can you get away from the plan of God Almighty? Can you get away from the purposes of God? You can't do it, can you? Does that, does that excuse me for my sin? Absolutely not. No, no, I tell you, that does not excuse me. So the Word of God said, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So maybe, maybe the next man, the next man that came, there was a man named Abel. Right? Cain and Abel. So Cain murdered his brother. Was that sin? That was sin. That wasn't the same sin that Adam transgressed in the same place that Adam sinned against God. It wasn't the exact uh, 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 word or the exact command that God had given to Adam. But Cain sinned, didn't he? Would you say that Abel sinned? He was offering a sacrifice, wasn't he? He was making an offering unto God. So you might say, well, I've not broke this command. I've not broke that command. What have you broke? What have you broken? Have you broken any of the commandments of God? Have you went against your own conscience and your own conviction? Have you sinned knowing, knowing maybe, maybe you might say this. You might say, well, you know, preacher, there's a lot of places in the Bible that the Bible doesn't specifically say this right here is sin. 
You know, a lot of people like to bring that up and they say, well, this right here, God doesn't address that. Why are you worried about it? Why are you telling me that the Bible doesn't address that? Why are you bringing that up? Because in your own conscience, you know what you are? You're doubting. You know what you are if you're doubting? You're damned. You're guilty. That's sin. If it's not a faith, it's sin. So you might say, well, I've not sinned like so-and-so. That's what the Pharisees gloried in, wasn't it? I've not sinned like so-and-so. I'm not an extortioner. Now, I'm not a tax collector. I've not done this. I've not been in this sin or that sin or the other sin. But the honest to God truth is, is that Jesus Christ came and friend, Jesus got sin from the outside to the inside. That's what God's looking at. Is that, if we could look, if we could look at Samuel standing before Jesse, and Samuel says about Eliab, surely this is the Lord's anointing. I mean, look what a man that this fella is. This has got to be God's anointing. God said that ain't him. Went through all the rest of the house, didn't he? Every one of them came. And I guess Samuel's just saying... Well, if this ain't them, Lord, you sent me down here to Jesse's house. So he asked the obvious question. Jesse, you got any more boys? Yeah, I got one. What was God looking at? If that was true in that day in 1 Samuel, is that true in 2023? Is God still looking at the heart of man? So Jesus, when the Pharisees said, you know, I'm thankful... I'm thankful I'm not like that fellow over there, that old Gentile, that old tax collector. I'm thankful I'm not like him. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said in verse 17, think, that I'm, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So let's think about Paul for just a moment. Pharisee of the Pharisees, tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day, a Jew of Jews. Concerning the law, blameless. Would you say Paul had it together on the outside? But what was God looking at? So Jesus said, I've not come to do away with the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. So the Pharisees, he goes on to say this, except your righteousness exceed that of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you'll in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. So can I have it together so well that you could, you could make me to think. You remember a young lady saying right here just a little while ago, I'm not talking about today, but just a little while ago, that she had it down perfect. She had everybody fooled. 
She had everybody in the family and in the church fool that she was right with God. Where did she have it together? In the outward part. She had it together. <coughs> now, was there ungodliness? <laughs> no doubt there was, without a question. But the Pharisees have got it together. The apostle Paul, before his conversion, Saul of Tarsus, had it together. You may very well have it together today. But do you have it together before God? You see, the only way that you can get it together before God is to have someone take your place. Because according to the Lord Jesus, He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. So would you say a fulfilling of the law is not only the outward, not only the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. That Jesus brought the letter of the law to the inside. That He said your action and your thought and your desire and your longing and what you've got in your heart is just as weighty and brings you just as guilty as what you do with your hands. Now I say this, the consequences of what you do with your hands may bring about something different in the world. But in the heart, God is looking at the heart. Am I concerned with what you think when I die? What difference will it make what you think when I die? But what God thinks is what is important. So the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but He came to fulfill the law. And He goes on to say, if my righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I'll in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. You have heard that it was said, verse 21, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in the danger of judgment. That's outwardly, isn't it? Isn't that what they're thinking? So verse number 22, I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say unto his brother, Raka, that is to say, thou art a fool, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. I tell you, he got it from the outside to the inside. Let's go on a little. If thou bring thy gift to the altar, and you remember if thy brother has got an alt against you, leave your gift. God's not interested in your gift, is He? He's interested in our heart. What are we doing with the outside? We're offering a gift to God with the outside, but on the inside we hate our fellow man. And on the outside we're coming to the altar to pray, but on the inside we despise this fellow sitting over here or that lady over there. Now can God, will God hear our prayer? Are we getting through? Am I really alive? I'm dead. How about adultery? That's a favorite subject of a lot of preachers and a lot of churches. Adultery. I'll say this. I believe it with everything in me. If it's a man. If a man is a man. I believe every man that stood behind a pulpit and railed on adultery and excluded people because of adultery is guilty himself. If he's a man, he's guilty. 
You too, ladies. You too. This brings death. You may have it all together on the outside, but what about in here? What is God looking at? God is looking... You, you, you ponder with me. You can't do any better than that. That's the truth. You try your best to keep the outward under subjection, but the inward is still out of control, isn't it? We got to have a new heart. We got to have a new, a new master. We got to have someone in control of our desires that had never been there before. I tell you, I needed a new heart, ladies and gentlemen. I needed a new want to. I needed to see how wicked and vile and ungodly that I really was. I needed to be born again. But I'll tell you, it was going to take a work of God for that to bring about. It was going to take a work of God for that to happen. So, uh, this, this Word of God, death reigned from Adam to Moses... Back to Romans chapter 5, verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. I'll read a little bit more. And not as it was by one that sin entered, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses under justification. So let's get a picture. By Adam's one sin, a whole world, past, present, and future, if God allows, has been affected by that one sin. The whole world has been affected, and you are included in that. Yet you are going to die. And you know why you're going to die? You're going to die because of sin. You're going to die and your fathers, your grandfathers, your past uh, 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 heirs, uh, friend, uh, looking backward, those that uh, are, were generations behind you, only two men that have ever escaped death was Enoch and Elijah. My fathers, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, as far back as you want to look, all the way back to Adam, a friend, death has reigned. But I'll say this, by the offering of one man, by the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ, though one man brought sin to the whole world, Jesus Christ, by the offering of Himself, has brought salvation to the whole world. Uh, friend, I'm not saying the whole world as every individual. I'm saying the whole world that there's no group, there's no individual. Uh, friend, there is no race, there is no nation, there is no tongue that is excluded. There is no sin that is excluded. There is nothing that you could do. I tell you, thank God, uh, friend, for the salvation that's able to cover all sin. Aren't you glad that there wasn't some sins on the list that He didn't cover. Thank God, thank God. But I'd like to say this. That salvation that covers all sins and will cover 
any sinner. is not a salvation that leaves you in sin. Is not a salvation that allows you to continue the way you were. You know, I I heard yesterday and a part of it was good, but a part of it was missing. I heard about the gloriousness, the goodness, the mercy and the grace of God that was able to cover all sin. But I never heard anything about a life that was changed after salvation. That seems to be left out today. It seems to be that Jesus can save anybody and everybody. And I'll agree with that. Anybody, everyone, it doesn't matter what tongue, what nation, what nationality, what, what, uh, what race of people, what sin. I tell you, thank God for the grace of God and the salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ that can cover all of that. But let me tell you this, He does not leave you in that condition. He doesn't leave you there to sin for the next 35 years, the next 40 years. He doesn't leave you in that condition. I'll tell you, Paul said some of you, uh, you were effeminate, uh, you were homosexuals, you were lesbians, you were murderers, you were blasphemers, you were extortioners. And he said this, and such were some of you. Thank God He didn't leave them that way. He changed them. So there's a life that goes with God sent Holy Ghost salvation. Are you guilty? I tell you, I was guilty. And I just say this for me. I I believe the woman at the well said the same thing. Thank God He showed me I was guilty. Otherwise, I would have went right on in my sin. I would have went right on in my rebellion. I would have went right on believing the lie that I was just as good as anybody and everybody else. I would have went right on down that road and ended up in hell. Thank God. She said, He told me all things that ever I did. Did that include every individual sin? I do not believe that for one second. But I believe that He covered that that was in her mind of her wickedness, of her ungodliness. He covered it and it brought her under condemnation and she knew that she needed a Savior. How bad is sin? I tell you what, it's, it's took the majority of the world to hell. The majority, I don't know, I I, I wouldn't want to go too far. But I just say this, from what I see in my family and your families and this neighborhood and my neighborhood, the majority of the people in my neighborhood and my family and my people and your people are going to die and go to hell. You might say that that is ugly, ugly, ugly. It's not ugly. 
I tell you the truth is, unless there's a new birth, unless there's regeneration, unless there's a life that goes with, I tell you a profession ain't worth a dime if there's not anything changed. You say, preacher, I made a profession at nine. I made a profession at 20. I made a profession at 32. I don't care about your profession. I want to know about your life today. I want to know whether you're denying Him today. I want to know whether you're living for Him today. I want to know where you're filled with the Spirit today. I want to know where the manifestation of the changed life is today. I'm not interested in your profession. I'm interested in a changed life that glorifies the Lord that saved you from hell. How in the world? Somebody come by and says, Greg, I, I see your house burnt down. How'd you get out? You think I'm not going to tell them how I got out? You think I'm not going to tell them my neighbor was up there blowing the horn wife blowing the horn and he was beating on my door, throwed a rock through my window. You think I'm not going to tell how I got out of that? You mean to tell me that God has saved you from hell and there's no glory, no praise, no honor, no praise unto the Lamb of God that saved me from the brink of hell? I'll tell you, friend, do we have real salvation? Have we really been saved from hell? Oh, if you were saved from a burning house and your neighbor was the cause. I believe everybody that come by you tell them. But Jesus, so we say, has saved us from hell. We made a profession. You know, this is... Uh, people thinks that it's... Well, it's just, it's, it's just like that funeral yesterday. It's just like that funeral... This profession that was made 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 years ago, that's going to do it. I tell you, if it's real, there'll be evidence. If it was real, there'll be evidence in your life of that. Let me tell you this now. Let's get it right the way that it really is. It's not evidence outwardly. It's evidence that comes from within. Jesus said, oh... You may not have committed murder, but you sure did hate old Chris. You sure wished evil on him. You sure wished his truck had blow up. You sure wished his wife had leave. You sure wished God would bring some destruction. Oh, on the outside it looks good, doesn't it? But on the inside, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God's looking for something that doesn't just change the outside, but changes the inside. And therefore, the outside is changed because of what God did on the inside. Are we going to die? We're going to die. And the reason is because of sin. And you're going to die, and I'm going to die. And the Word of God has said, look back. Where's your father's? Where's your mothers? Where's the prophets? Did my word not take hold of them? I tell you, the word of God's going to take hold of you too, ma'am. The word of God's going to take hold of you too, sir. Uh, the word of God's going to come to your house. The word of God is going to be true. Let every man be a liar and God be true. I tell you this, friend. You can tell and you can lie and you can bring it uh, and bring about what you think and what you have done and what you have accomplished and all the things uh, that you have done. I tell you, if there's not a work of God done, there's nothing been done. 
We're all going to die. The wages of sin is death. That's what I've worked for. That's what I've earned. That's what I've married. That's what's proper. That is what I'm deserving of. I am deserving of death. So, by one man's sin, by one man's sin, death entered into the world. But this man, by one man's obedience, by the obedience of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what about that? The whole world was affected by Adam's one sin. But by the obedience of one, I have been affected. So 8 billion people on the face of the earth today, let's just say that all of those people were saved. How many sins would you say went with those 8 billion people? I'll ask you this. Maybe it'll help us perspective-wise. If I gave you a notebook, could you write down your sins for the last week? Could you write down your sins for the last month? Look at our lives. How great a multitude of sin has been forgiven through the Lord Jesus. How great a multitude of sins has been forgiven by the obedience of one man. What was he obedient unto? Unto death. Even death on the cross. You know that couldn't have been changed. Cursed is everyone that dieth upon a tree. That couldn't be changed. I mean, the Jews could have stoned him to death, couldn't they? But that wouldn't have fulfilled the Word of God, would it? That wouldn't have lined up with over in the book of Exodus when they were down there at the waters of Meribah and the waters were bitter and they couldn't drink them. And the Bible said, and God showed Moses a tree and He cast the tree into the waters and they were made sweet. And that, wouldn't, that wouldn't line up with the cross, would it? If, if that Scripture in Exodus had to be a cross, didn't it? Had to be a cross. So by the obedience of one man, obedience unto death, even the death on the cross, you and I, by the offense, by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace. Have you, seen, have you received grace? Thank God I received grace. I thank God I didn't receive the law. I didn't receive what I worked for. I didn't receive what I deserved. I didn't receive what was proper. I didn't receive that that I merited. Thank God for the abundant grace. But without the grace, we're going to die. Just like our mothers, our fathers, our grandparents, and all of those before them, What did they do? I tell you, outside of the grace and the mercy of God, outside of the abundant grace comes through the Lord Jesus, they died and went to hell. You should consider that because that's going to happen to you too. Unless there's regeneration, unless there's a new birth, unless God does a work in your heart, that's going to happen to you. If it had not been for the grace of God, it would have happened to me. It would have. 
by the offense, judgment. By Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift. Isn't that what we're talking about in Romans 6.23? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift. Not a merited gift. Not a gift that you work for. Not a gift. Now listen. Greg's going to give me a gift. Well, let me give you a little something for it. Wouldn't be a gift then, would it? Huh? Did I put anything into this free gift? Well, preacher, you know, you had to do this and do that. You mean to tell me that a free gift coming from God, I had to do something to be able to receive the free gift? How could it be a free gift if I had to do something to get the free gift? No, it's not, Daniel. It's not a gift and it's not grace. But by, therefore by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. And the seals were open, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, every tongue, every people, every nation. There's the whole world. Folks, if that's not the whole world, what do you do with Egypt? What do you do with the Philistines? What do you do with the people that were before Abraham? What do you do with the people under the flood? What do you do with all the acts that God said destroy them? What do you do with them? I tell you what it is. It's by grace that you're saved. I am what I am by the grace of God. You are, if you're saved today... Honest to God, you're lost today, but still living. As our brother read to us this morning, His mercies are new every morning. By the grace of God, you've still got an opportunity. Would you call on Him today? Would you be saved today? Would you realize today that outside of the grace and the mercy of God, without regeneration, I'm going to die in my sins and go to hell? Everybody else has. What makes you an exception? There is no exceptions with God. You might buy off the judge. You might buy off, you might buy off the Supreme Court in, uh, in, in North Carolina. You, you might buy them off up to state level. Might even be bought off at federal level. But I'll tell you this, friend. This God will not be bought. This God owns all. This God is the Creator of all. God doesn't need me. I tell you, I need Him. He created the world and everything in it. Everything that there is, He created it. Of everything, all that there is and all that exists, and every creation is for Him and by Him and for Him. There is nothing that I could give to God. It's a gift. A free gift. 
For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one man many shall be made righteous. Moreover the law entered, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness into eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? That as sin hath reigned. If I look in chapter 6, he says this. Verse 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey? Whether of sin unto death, or obedience unto righteousness. i tell you something, folks. I could not change my nature nor my desire to sin. I love sin. I love darkness. I love being against God. I love to rebel against God. It pleased me to rebel against God. It pleased me to be in darkness. It pleased me to sin. God not only... Not only in verse number 623. Not only there, but I tell you what I was. I was obedient unto my Master. The devil was on the throne of my heart. I was in darkness and I loved it. I'll tell you, it took a work of God. Not only this, not only did it take Jesus Christ dying on the cross to pay for my sin, but it took the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to do a work in me that I might receive the gift. I did not want the gift. I had no desire for the gift. I had no desire for God, for His Word, for His church, for His people. I had no desire whatsoever. God created in me a new heart, gave me a new want to. I want to live for Him. I may fail, I may fall, I may falter, but the desire of my inward man is to live for Him. He gave me a new desire. You see, it's not enough. It's not enough, ladies and gentlemen, just that Jesus died. It has to come home to me as an individual. Will I receive the gift? Here's the thing. Am I going to die? Do you know that when you die after this, the judgment? It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment? You know, I don't know that we can, I don't know that we can separate those time-wise. But He writes it to where we can comprehend it. Paul said to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. He said, I have a desire to go on and be with the Lord. But for me to be with you is more needful. It would be far better for me to depart this life. So I believe at a moment, as you could blink your eye, that we're leaving this world and into the next world. So the sinner. So the lost person from this world of consciousness to a world of consciousness in eternal and everlasting punishment. 
So the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God... Can you see this? Can you see that He is saying, no works? Can you see that? Can you see that there's nothing there merited? Nothing deserved? Nothing, honest to God, there's nothing proper about it. There's nothing proper about this. This is by the grace of God that I'm saved. It's by the grace of God that I get to live forever. It's by the unmerited, unproper, undeserved grace of God that I get to go to heaven because Jesus took my sin. And He took my death. So back to Romans chapter 6, just a second. Verse 5. Verse 4. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. I'm no longer a servant to sin now. I no longer have sin as my master. I no longer have the devil as my master. There's been a change of management. I have a new master. I've got a new desire. I've got a new heart. I've got a new want to. I, when did that happen? I tell you that happened, uh, friend, when Jesus Christ died in the mind of God and in the plan of God and the eternity of God. I died with Him. But in time, I come to that realization. In time, I died. In time, I become guilty. In time, I realized my sin. In time, I realized what I had earned. What was deserving? What was proper? Oh, what was proper for God to do was it was proper and deserving for God to send me to hell. That's the truth. But by grace, God gave me a new desire and created a new man. Was Jesus different? after the resurrection than He was before. Would you say that He was noticeably different? M.S. Roadman didn't know Him until He spoke to Him. Until He broke the bread and blessed it. There should be such a change in our lives that our family and our friends don't even recognize us as the same person. Now folks, has that really happened? That's got to come from within. You look the same to me. I remember the morning this man sitting right here and his girlfriend at the time. We was in revival. You remember it. Jim Pruitt was with us, and it was a Sunday morning. We'd been in revival all week. I remember what I preached on. Drunk. 
on the world. <laughs> and I saw a man that God changed that day. I saw a man changed. I'm still seeing the results today of the change. I would say his brother, his daddy, his mother, his co-workers did not recognize the man that come to the job on Monday morning because it was a new man. It was a new creation. God does a work. I mean a work, a complete work that changes you from the inside out. You're not recognizable as what you were. Are we really, really saved? Is there a manifestation of God's change in our life? I look and I see people dying all around us. They say they're saved, but there's no manifestation that looks like and it sounds like and it acts like the same person. If I die and go to hell, I'll get exactly what I deserve. If I die and go to hell, it'll be exactly what I work for. It'll be exactly what's proper. Well, preacher, God's not fair. God is not fair today to give you grace instead of judgment. But God will be fair in the day of judgment when you get the wages of your sin. God will be fair. And wrath will be poured out without mercy in that day. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sins paid. We got a new desire and a new heart that brings praise and honor and glory to Him who saved us.